You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Will you go with me this morning to the book of Romans? Romans in chapter number 14. Romans chapter number 14. We're going to look at verses, just three verses, 10 through 12, and talk about a subject that it, that is in the foundation, that is uh, a vital part of the foundation, that maybe we haven't spent enough time on, but I, I want to go back and to look at it this morning. The writer wrote, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And liberty is what we're looking for. And liberty doesn't just mean the moving of the Holy Spirit in a service. But the Spirit of the Lord, when we accept Christ as our Savior, He moves in to dwell inside of us. And so where the Spirit of the Lord is, which is in us, there ought to be a liberty to live for God and to worship God. Amen? And so that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a liberty. And the more that we understand the foundation, the more that we understand what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary, I believe there will be more liberty in the individual life of the believer to live for the Lord and to continue to grow in God. And so uh, that's what we're looking for. Romans 14, verses 10 through 12. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you set at naught your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us, watch this, shall give account of himself to God. There's two things that is, that is very similar here. First of all, in verse number 10, the fact that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the second thing in verse number 12 is that we shall all give an account of himself. Not of my neighbor, not of my spouse, not of my brother. But I'm going to give an account for me when I stand before the Lord. And this morning I want to talk about the judgment. I'm not going to specific be specific on the judgment seat of Christ, but I want to talk about the judgment of sin. The judgment of sin that is to come. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray? God, I love you this morning. I'm thankful again to be in your house, to be in your presence, and I'm thankful for every individual that's here today. God, we're asking that you would move upon the hearts and the lives of us individually, Lord, that we would examine our faith, examine our life, God, to be sure that on that great day that we stand before you, Lord, that we can stand before you blameless and stand before you spotless because of our faith in Christ and what he has done on the cross of Calvary. I ask that you would open our ears to hear, hearts to receive, and God, anoint my lips to do what I can't do without your help, and that is to deliver your word. Lord, I'll be very careful to give you all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. On Sunday morning, I've said it, I'm going to repeat it, but we have since the beginning of the year, going back to the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the only story of the Bible, and it is the foundation of what Jesus has done and has accomplished on the cross of Calvary. We have to build upon this platform. We have to build upon this foundation because anything that is not built upon the foundation of Christ and Him crucified or upon the foundation of the message of placing our faith in the sacrifice of Christ 
will never stand. And what we want to build, we want to, I look, I don't want our efforts to be in vain. I want to build upon something that's going to stand the test of time. Amen? There's a test coming. There's a trial coming. And when it comes, I want to have something built upon it that's going to be able to hold me. I want that anchor that holds when the sea is raging. Amen? And so we got to build upon the foundation of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary. As a consistent function of the church, we must continue, and I, I, we, we do it here, but we must continue to preach salvation to the lost. And let me say this, because we continue to preach salvation to the lost, that ought to be an open invite and an encouragement for you to continue to invite the lost to the house of God. Amen. Everybody in here knows somebody that doesn't know Jesus, and so we ought to continue to invite them to the house of the Lord. We have to preach salvation, number one. That is first and foremost. There is nothing more important than we can pro proclaim than the salvation of the lost. Number two, we have to preach sanctification or how to live for the Lord. We don't want you just to uh, be saved and come into the kingdom, but we want you to know Monday through Saturday how to be changed and how to walk in the spirit so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh because even though you're saved your flesh still lusts after the things of the world and but we don't want to fulfill that we want to walk in righteousness we want to walk in the things of God and live a life that would be a witness unto the Lord and so number two we want to teach you how to live me and Pastor Brian talking this morning and we are uh, we're still at this stance if somebody gets saved if you give your heart to the Lord this morning you didn't know Jesus well I, I beg of you to come back and allow us an opportunity to disciple you and to teach you how to live for God. Jesus didn't die just to save you. He died to change you. And we all have some things that needs to be changed in our heart. Amen. And the uh, third thing, and I'm listing these uh, uh, maybe in order, but I'm not leaving, intentionally leaving anything out. We have to teach and we have to preach the power of the Holy Spirit from the beginning of being redeemed, regenerated into the kingdom of God, all the way to the equipping of service, being baptized in the Holy Spirit so that we would become witnesses unto God. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit, He doesn't just, uh, the Holy Spirit, and I'm, I say this because I'm Pentecost, but the Holy Spirit don't come upon you just so you can speak in tongues. He's there to equip you to live for God and to walk in victory. And so we got to teach Him, we got to preach that. But one area that seems to, maybe well, I have myself filtered over, uh, and, and just a little bit in regards, it filters in regards to salvation and how to live for God is the moment when you individually, listen teenagers, you're at the age of accountability, this is for you too, is that when we individually stand before God and we give an account, when there's nobody else around and there's nobody else to look to, when I sing you, just as a single individual, stand before the Lord, and I can say it like this, as the door is closed and it's just me and Him, and I'm going to give an account for my life. It's quiet. We're thinking. The word account, we take it from its original text and we take it from the word that it comes from. I want you to listen. It literally means that me and Jesus 
is going to set just me and him one-on-one, and we're going to have a discussion about my life. That's powerful. I feel the presence of the Lord. I know it's quiet, but you're thinking. We're going to have a discussion about my life. Just one-on-one. Going to discuss the things about my life. And to be honest, the moment that we stand before God as it got quiet this morning is a moment that most believers still today are fearing. I grew up, even though I knew that I was saved, I grew up until I come to the understanding what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary. Look, you may not be honest with me this morning, but I'm going to be honest with you. I grew up fearing the moment that I had to stand before Christ and give an account for my life. Do you know why that I feared that moment, Brother Matt? Is because I know all of the rotten things that I've done. I know the wrongs. I know every idle word. Well, I don't know. I forgot most. But the Lord don't forget. And so, the moment that I stand and me and Jesus has this discussion... I'm going to make you feel better in a minute. Just stay with me. <laughs> Everybody's like, grab your Bible. We're out of here. Come on. We got to go. I just had a call, I think. The moment that we had this discussion, listen, I got to dig a little bit more, and then I'll make you feel better. There's going to be nothing, absolutely nothing, that is going to be hidden. <laughs> you see, the though, let me say it like this. This is Bad English, but good preaching to help you understand. The worser things that we've done in life, we've kept them hid. We, we've kept them hid. I don't, <laughs> I don't want nobody to know about the really, really bad things. I don't want nobody to know about that. But do you know that they're not hid before the Lord? I'm preaching good. Okay, I'll dig a little more and I'm going to make you feel better. He knows every single thing that we've ever done, even in secret. And somebody said, uh-oh. Watch this. It gets a little worse, then I'm going to make you feel better. Y'all thinking, you keep saying that, when are we going to feel better? It gets a little worse. It's not just the things that we've done in secret. He knows every single thought. Every single thought. You know them times somebody's made you so mad, you're, you're thinking, God, if you just turn your head just for one minute, just turn your head for one minute, I will deal with this. I'll be right back with you. No, he don't turn his head. <laughs> he, don't, he didn't turn his head. He knows every single thought. I know, that's, that's a kind of a big deal. But here's what I want you to understand. Giving an account to the Lord. Everybody's thinking, what's happened? Last month we were shouting and excited, and then all of a sudden you throw this in our lap. Here's what I want you to know is that when it comes to the moment in time that you stand before the Lord, that I stand before the Lord individually, there's no way to get around that. Not feeling better yet, are we? 
There's no way, Brother Charles, to get around that moment in that time. No way. We all gone to stand before Christ. And we're going to give an account. Now, how many is thinking I'm doomed? Okay, well, they're holier than I thought. And if you're not thinking I'm doomed, man, y'all's quiet this morning. I'm doing a good job. I must be plowing deep. Standing before the Lord is something that I feared as a child. When I thought about giving an account, I feared it as a child, Brother Junior. I, I thought to stand before a holy, righteous God that's never done anything wrong, who am I to stand in His presence? The moments and times that I have looked at when somebody came into His presence, Moses said, God, let me turn and see this great sight. And God said, I'll let you see my hinder, hinder part. But you can't look upon me in the flesh. God was so holy that Moses, in a holy moment when he had to take his shoes off because he was standing on holy ground, he still couldn't look upon him because God was too holy. But we're going to stand in this presence, in the, uh, the presence of a, a thrice holy God. And standing before the Lord is something that I always feared before I understood the cross of Calvary. It's almost like, I'm going to say this kind because I don't mean it in a wrong way, but I, I, because y'all's probably thinking, well, you're doing the same thing. It's almost like uh, old time preachers would try to scare you in. Scare you in to run into an altar and saying, God help me. Look, I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you into anything. If I don't present, God is not here to try to force you to do something out of fear. He's trying to get you to react because of love. And, but what we got to see first is the place of God and the place of man. The place of man is that we are helpless and hopeless. And the place of God is that He is righteous and holy and that He has the final say. But listen, do you know why that you're still here today? You're still here because the judgment, the final judgment has not passed upon your life yet. Why has it not passed yet? Because God loves you and you're standing in the mercy of God. Because he's a merciful God. Now listen. The thought of judgment has always been in the mind of, the, of God's people. Always been throughout the Bible. According to dates, Job is the first book that is ever written. And when Job, when God was allowing everything, the big trial to come upon Job. We see his friends come and say, it must be because of sin in your life. They thought Job was suffering, that he was going through some sort of judgment. Do you know why? Job being the first Bible ever written, from the very beginning, judgment has been in the mind and the heart of man. They knew that judgment was coming. We look at today. I don't mean this in an unkind way, but a lot of the popular tattoo is only God will judge me. I've seen it several times. Only God will judge me. Only God will judge me. I mean, that is, uh, they don't want you, they don't want you, they don't want a person that is a believer loving them by telling them that this is wrong according to the Word of God. See, they take it as a hate crime. They take it as hate. Well, you don't love me because you told me this was wrong. No, I love you. That's why I told you that according to the Word, this is wrong and it will separate you from God. 
And let me say this, let me go further. Even if you're accused of hating someone because you told them what was right according to the Word of God, go ahead and let them hate you, but don't be silenced when it comes to what is right according to the Word of God. The moment you present a truth to them. Do you know why they want you to shut up? Don't say nothing else. Because the moment that you present a simple truth, the Holy Spirit can work through a truth. He takes that truth and He's pricking their heart. That's why they want you to hush. That's why they want you to shut up. Because you are giving them a truth and the Holy Spirit is taking them and wearing them out. The day they killed John the Baptist, the wife of Herod said, I want his head on a silver platter. And history says... That that she pulled his tongue out, took a dagger and run it through his tongue because it was out of his mouth came so much truth that she lived in conviction. She hated him because she presented the truth. But let me tell you something. She would die if she didn't repent as a woman that was in severe conviction because John continued to tell her the truth. Tell them the truth. Even that they don't like you, you give them the truth. Now, a crucial moment of standing before the Lord is and uh, uh, as crucial as what it is and that we're all going to meet that moment. I want you to understand that if you have placed your faith in Jesus and what He did for you on the cross of Calvary, you don't have to fear the judgment of sin. You don't have to fear the judgment of sin. You don't have to fear the judgment of sin if your faith is in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary. If your faith is not in Jesus and what He did on the cross, listen, you better fear the judgment of sin. You better fear. I'm not fearing, despite of me, I'm not fearing the moment that I stand before the Lord and I'm not, I'm not, there's not a, an opportunity, there's not a chance that Jesus, as long as I keep my faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary, there's not a chance that He's going to say, depart from me. I'm not going to stand before Him wondering what He's going to say. For me to stand before Him wondering what He's going to say, that would make the cross of Christ completely of no effect at all in regards to paying the sin penalty of men. I want to tell you this, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but when I was young, I remember a drama that the church did at Hoxie, and I, I'm, I'm not nitpicking at this, but I, I'm just going to be truthful. But I remember a drama that they'd done, and they had somebody standing on a throne. Are sitting on a throne, and they presented different people that come down. And to some of them, they had a door over here, a room that was made out to be hell, and a room over here that was made out to be heaven. I'm going to bring this back up in the end of my message, what I'm about to say, but I, I, want, I want to tell you this. I want you to know that in regards to the judgment, they had people coming down one aisle. They had people coming down another aisle. To some, they said, depart from me. To some, they said, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant. Listen, I don't mean to nitpick, but that's not really scriptural. Because it's not going to be a judgment where the righteous and the sinner are there together. The judgment of sin will either be taken now according to what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary or it will be taken, Revelation 20, at the great white throne. At the great white throne, there will not be a believer there. Not to be judged of sin. So I'm not worried about a depart from me because I'm taking my judgment now. 
My judgment is I understand I'm a sinner, and I understand I'm going to bring it out in the text that Jesus paid that sins that, that my sin debt for me, and I'm saying, God, I'm guilty now. Lord, I'm guilty now. I place my faith in Jesus and what He did for me on the cross of Calvary because without Him, I'm doomed. I'm not fearing a depart from me. If I fear to depart from me, listen, we could throw out every scripture that says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right. Let me go on the text. Some of you are confused. Let's look. It's overwhelming, the information in Scripture about judgment, but I, I want to stay basic. I, 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 I want to I leave you here without fear. I don't want to leave you confused. I want you to understand it. First of all, let's, let's start here. An age-old question. How can a loving God... Look at anybody and condemn them to a devil's hell to burn there for eternity. And the answer to that question is, God doesn't condemn anybody to hell. We choose today where we will spend eternity. God doesn't, if I can make this plain, and I'm afraid I can't, Lord help me make it plain. God is not judging, looking at the individual specifically separated from sin. When we were, this coat is on me, when we were born, we were born, if this coat is sin, we were born into sin. Sin covered my life. When he looks at me, he sees sin. God is not judging me as an individual separate or apart from sin. He is judging me because of my fallen condition and as a sinner that has been separated by relationship with Him. That's what He's judging. Listen, let me say it like this. God has to judge sin. And for those that has not repented of their sin, judgment will fall on them because they are still wrapped up and covered by their sin. Does that make sense? Is that plain? All right, let's start here. I'm going to make it clear as what I can. Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. Here came sin. I'm going to rush through it because i got a long way to go and uh, only a little time to get theirs. They fell from God. They fell out of a relationship with the Lord. Sin had came upon them and plagued them. When sin came upon them and plagued them and God came in the cool of the day and walked in the garden, Adam, where are you? Well, we hid. Why did you hide? Well, because we're naked. Did you partake of the tree? Did you, did you eat of the tree that I told you not? They got up, they had fig leaves on them. You know what God did? He went and killed an animal. And he skint that animal. He shed blood and he brought back the fur, the covering of that animal to cover their sin, telling us that nothing but blood will cover sin. It has to be a blood sacrifice. That's the first thing we, uh, the first thing we learned. The second thing is that sin was only covered by the shedding of of blood, only covered by the shedding of blood. I want you to see this text, Romans 3 and 26. Romans 3 and 26 tells us this. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, get that, he might be just and the justifier of him that be, which believeth in Jesus. That's what I want you to see. 
The first thing is, when he says that he might be just, listen, there will be no argument when you give an account to the Lord that's going to hold any weight in regards to uh, whether you're right or the Lord is right. When the Bible says he might be just, it means that he is 100% without a doubt, he will be right. I stood at a casket one time as a child. My dad, I walked up with my dad. We were looking. I don't even remember whose visitation or funeral it was. Some guy walked up real quickly, halfway rudely, walked up real quick knowing that my dad was a believer, put his arm around my dad, and he said, now you tell me, do you think that he's in heaven or that he's in hell? And I'll never forget what my dad said when he turned and looked at him. He said, sir, all I can tell you is that he's standing before a just God right now. Because we can't make that call. But he's standing before a God that is 100% right in what he does. When he says that he's just, he's not just 100% right, but watch this. He is unable to overlook sin. He's unable to overlook sin. He can't do it. It has to be judged. Sin has to be judged. He's unable to overlook that sin. But he says that he is the justifier, which means he is the one that will legally declare anybody and everybody, he will declare them not guilty based upon whether they believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, that's good news. He is, he is able to justify them. So here's where we're at so far. What have we learned? I'm going to go slow because I want you to understand it. First of all, we've learned this. Sin has to be judged. Amen. Sin has to be judged. God hates sin because sin separated us from God. The second thing that we learn is that God shed blood from the very beginning because He doesn't want us to be separated from Him. Listen, God is not satisfied with you being separated from Him. So He shed blood from the very beginning. God has the final say. Here's the truth. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you have been, God is not satisfied with you not being back in relationship with Him. Praise the Lord. That's good. He doesn't want us to be separated. He doesn't want us to be wrapped up in sin. He doesn't want us to lost without Jesus being lost and separated forever without Jesus Christ. God doesn't want any of these things. Can I just say something to the church this morning? When we look and we think about Judgment Day, or we think about uh, the day that I stand before the Lord, am I the only one that uh, for, uh, for many, many years uh, envisioned God as a, as a God that was mean with a big stick in His hand, ready to knock me out if I did anything? Listen, I want to tell you something this morning. Quit visualizing God as a God that is mad at you, a God that is wanting to knock you out, a God that is wanting to annihilate you. Listen, God is not a God with a big stick. God is a God sitting there with His arms open wide, saying, whosoever will, let him come unto me. He's not a God that's mean and bad and, and mad at you. He's a God that loves you. That's, a, that's the picture we ought to have of God. Now, what about my sin? 
What do we do about my sin? Because you can't just, I know some, much of the church has overlooked sin. Well, because of what Jesus did on the cross, all sin is paid for. No, we got to deal with sin. He dealt with sin. We got to deal with sin. So how do we deal with sin? Do we ignore it? Listen, you don't want to do that. To ignore it literally means that you haven't recognized Jesus as Savior. You don't want to ignore your sin. So what about my sin? See, sin brought about death upon you. Sin. We are, I know a little, I, I know a lot of them will say we're not living under the curse of sin today. Listen. We are not living under the domain or the reign of sin. I'm not living under the reign of sin as a believer. But we haven't yet received everything that we're going to get that Jesus paid for on the cross. And we won't get that until the day that we receive our glorified body. Let me tell you something. The very fact that you're aging. The very fact that you're aging means that we're still living under the remains or penalty of sin. So what about my sin? What do I do about my sin? My sin nature. Sin brought death, which means that I'm separated. So in order for us to not be separated, God replaced our death brought upon by sin by giving us life that would be brought upon by Jesus Christ. When I fell from the Lord, I was born for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Watch this. At that moment, I was separated. My relationship with the Lord was broke. I was separated. I once was in a relationship. Will you stand up, Pastor Brian? I once was in a relationship with me and God. This is how God wanted it. And all of a sudden, sin came in and become, drove a wedge between us, and I was forever separated. Now, there's no way that I could get back to God. So God had to come to me. Here's what he did. Because of my separation of sin, I got death. For the wages of sin is death. Watch this. I got death. Thank you. <clears throat> Here's what was dealt to me. Death. Death is what I hold. The only way God wasn't satisfied with death, so he had to take life. The opposite of death is life. He had to take life from somewhere to trade it for my death. So the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. I probably like verse number 17 just as much. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come to condemn you. He came for a lot of things, but he didn't come to condemn you. But that the world through him might be saved. No man was found worthy to give us this life. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were helpless. We were hopeless. We were separated. But God sent Jesus Christ that he could trade our death sentence for an eternal life sentence. Now, I've got to show you some scriptures. It was prophesied of Isaiah in Isaiah 53. And Peter brought it back. And he wrote this, watch this, 1 Peter chapter 2, for even here unto were you called because Christ also, watch this, suffered for us, 
leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Verse number 22. He said, who did no sin, neither was there any guile found in his, in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again, he didn't rebel. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He was committed to the Father. In verse number 24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Who bore our sins? Who bore our sins? Jesus bore our sins. When he went to the cross, he took with him the judgment of sin upon him. The word bear here means to lift it off of you, lift it off of me, and he put it upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Give me just a few more minutes. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What I'm trying to get you to see is that when Jesus came and died upon the cross of Calvary, when He went to the cross, He went for the purpose of bearing our sin. In other words, for whosoever would believe upon Him, He took our judgment for sin then. He took my judgment for sin on that day. Here's what we know. God has to judge sin. Here's what we know. Jesus took the judgment for all that believe. And His death became my life by simple faith in what He has already done for me on the cross of Calvary. Amen. I'm preaching good. We're quiet, but I'm preaching good. And Romans 10 and 13 says this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Be saved from what? Be saved from the judgment of sin that is to come. Be saved from the judgment of sin that is to come. So the judgments for sin, watch this, I'm wrapping it up. There's only two judgments for sin. There is the judgment now in which when we recognize that we're a sinner and we recognize that Jesus was the one that died for my sin, took my judgment upon his shoulders upon the cross. There's that judgment, which is available now. Or there will be the judgment. Revelation 20 talks about of the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. There you don't want to be. You don't want to be there. There is nobody that stands at the great white throne that's going to hear, well done. That's a, the final judgment for sin. So we have these two judgments that's available that we will all stand in. The only, the great white throne. We have the cross. We have the great white throne. Both will be a judgment for sin. But with the cross, I take my judgment now. With the great white throne, I take my judgment and be forever eternally separated. I want you to understand the mechanics. Let me look at our text. Go back to our text, and then we'll go back to the mechanics here. Verse number 10. 
Why do you judge your brother, or why do you set it not your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's talking to believers. He's talking to believers. Well, I thought we'd take our judgment now. We do. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account to himself to God. This is not a judgment of sin. When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, I'm not given a judgment for sin. But what I am doing is that God has committed certain things to each and every one of us. He has given us talents. He has he's given us uh, 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 different responsibilities. He's given us callings. And at the judgment seat of Christ is when we will give an account of how that we carefully took care of the things of God and what we've done for the kingdom. This is not a, a judgment of being justified or not being justified. This is a judgment where we will be rewarded according to our works and to the Lord. You should not be satisfied just being justified from your sin. Because we will all give an account. Well, God's not really done. <laughs> God's not really, you know, done much in my didn't really bless. He hadn't really given me no talent. There's not really much I'm doing. So are you telling me God made a mistake by uniquely creating you and placing you where you're at? Did God mess up? I tend to believe God didn't mess up. I think that we're going to give an account. We will give an account. This will not cast you in. Look, I'm not okaying not doing anything uh, for the kingdom, but what I am trying to do is to get you to not fear standing before the Lord. I'm doing a horrible job, I guess. We understand that this judgment is not the judgment of sin. I will be judged, but I take my judgment now in regards to sin. Here's the mechanics, and I'll hush. The moment I place my faith in Jesus, listen, the moment here now that I place my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary, the power of the Holy Spirit, you say this all the time, I'm going to keep saying it, it's what I preach, the power of the Holy Spirit takes you and baptizes you into Jesus Christ. He baptizes me into his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That's what's taking place spiritually. His death broke the power of sin. His burial buries the old man. And his resurrection is so that I'm raised up to walk in the newness of life. Listen, when God looks at me, this is the only way that God can look at me and legally, Romans 5 and 1, say, you're, you're justified. You see, it's hard for us to unfathom this because the moment that I said that all of us are going to stand before the Lord, don't raise your hand, but how many of us started thinking about all the rotten things I've done? Thank you for amen and being honest. We started thinking about all the rotten things we've done. Do you know that even though that you have knowledge of that and God has knowledge of it, if you place your faith in Jesus today and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary, God legally looks down upon you and because you're baptized into Christ, he sees the blood of Christ that has covered your sin and he can legally say justified, not guilty for anything and everything that they've ever done. God can do that. God legally can do that. Why? Because of our faith in Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary. And listen, that's my judgment. You will either take your judgment for sin today or you will take it at the great white throne. Today you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant at the great white throne. You will hear, depart from me. I never knew you. 
miracle. But sin will be judged. But I don't have to fear that judgment because I know where my salvation lies. My salvation lies in what Jesus has done for me on the cross of Calvary. Baptized into him, covered by the blood of Christ. And listen, as long as I keep my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary, then I remain in that justified position. And I've got to add this, and I'm going to hush. You are not justified by any other means. So you got to ask yourself, what am I trusting in? Am I trusting in law? Am I trusting in works or what I do? Am I trusting in, well, because my mom and dad is saved? Am I trusting in because I play music at Faith Worship Center? Am I trusting in, well, you know, I, you know, I used to teach Sunday school. <laughs> my point is, you're only justified because of your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. We can stand and be judged now, or we will stand at the great white throne. And I pray and beg that you're not there. Would you stand with me this morning? It's early this morning still, and I didn't intend to be up here a long time. Some things I want you to think about just as a thought process as they come. I want you to think about the fact that everybody in here knows. I hope that you know. I hope that you know and that you understand that without Jesus Christ, that we are completely helpless. We are completely lost. There's no way to earn salvation. There's no way to merit salvation. When I start to thinking about, listen, I'm going to just talk to Steve for just a second, but you know what? I know the rotten things I've done. I know the rotten things that I've done that I'm ashamed of. The, the Scripture's right when he said the end of sin brings shame. I know the things I've done. I know the thoughts that I've had. And for me to begin to imagine how that a holy God can love me in spite of my sin. He loved you while you were still in sin, a sinner. If you're here today and you know Jesus as your Savior, listen, He loved you while you were still out in sin. But to understand that how He could continue to love me and show me mercy and keep His hand upon me, and bring me to the place where I would accept him as Savior is beyond amazing. I'm amazed that he could love somebody like me. So I pray, let this song minister to you for just a moment this morning. No one knew how alone I was feeling. Oh, and the emptiness I tried so hard to hide. Oh, I laughed and said, my life was fine without you. Oh, Lord, I was covering up the secret tears I cried. Then one day, someone told me of Oh, and you broke sin's power and 
Praise the Lord. Will you bow your head with me? Close your eyes. I want you to think about something real simple. If there's anything in your heart right now that fears the moment that you will stand before the Lord, if there's anything that fears standing before God, my friend, there's a good possibility that you're not ready to stand before God. If you have fear, there's a good possibility that we're not ready. I just want to give you an opportunity. The truth of the matter is, Everybody in this building, everybody in the world, they will take their judgment in regards to sin. They will deal with it now, or they will deal with it later. And I just want to give you an opportunity for us to deal with it now. Instead of standing at the great white throne where we don't want to be, we can stand before Jesus right now. He already knows everything about you, and you can say, Lord, I'm here. I'm a sinner. I'm lost, and I'm undone without you. And I ask you to come into my heart. And the Lord can declare you not guilty for anything and everything right now at this moment. And this morning, here's what I want to do. Not what I normally do, but here's what I want to do this morning. If you say, I'm here, and I want to make sure, and I want to take my judgment today, not later. I just want to ask you, if you would, to come and to stand with me across the front. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. We're going to ask the Lord to forgive us of all of our sin, anything and everything that we've ever done. We know that we stand before Him this morning, nothing hidden. We're completely open before God. But being completely open, when we ask the Lord to come into our heart according to the Bible, we can leave without fear. We can leave knowing that my name is in the Lamb's book of life. That God, the righteous judge, and at this moment, He's about to declare you not guilty. Praise the Lord. He's about to declare you not guilty for anything and everything. Right now, this is what I want to do. Family, I want you to, you can take each other by the hand, lay your hand on them. We're just going to pray one for another, and I want you to join in with us. i got to get down here with you guys. Would you come? I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And I want you to understand this morning 
that simply repeating this prayer doesn't save anybody. But the moment that you believe it in your heart, the Bible says that by faith that we are saved. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So this morning, I want to lead us in a simple prayer. Everybody here, I want you to repeat it after me so that we don't leave anybody out this morning. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, here I stand. I stand open and I stand ashamed of sin. But Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he gave his life, that he shed his blood, so that my sins could be covered by his blood. Right now, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me. I ask you to make me clean because I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe that on the third day that God raised him from the dead. By faith, I believe I'm saved. I believe I'm justified. I believe I'm washed. I believe I've been made whole by the blood of Christ. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I pray it this morning. Amen and amen. If you're standing around them, pray for them, that God would help them to live for them. Lay your hands on them and pray for them this morning. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.